You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. Some of you may remember last time we, we started Psalm 46. We started working through the first seven verses, and yeah, today we're going to finish it. So just to start off, we'll reread Psalm 46, and then we'll, yeah, get right into it. So Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in trouble. Therefore, we'll not fear that the earth gives way, that the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, that the waters roar and foam, that the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms tied up. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the work of the Lord. He has brought desolation on the earth. He He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bows and shatters the spears. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So that's Psalm 46. Um, if you were here last time, you, you know that we went through the first seven verses and we, we sort of split this psalm into two main sections. So the first, the first seven verses, sorry, sort of, give you a picture and start describing God as a fortress. Um, so back in the day, as we, I'll just go over some things that we covered last preach. Back in the day, we looked at fortresses and what classified them as a fortress, what they had to have to be that safe place. They had to be a place of safety and security for the citizens inside. They had to be, they had to be strong to withhold attack so that people inside would trust that they were safe during periods of unstableness. And when they were under attack, and if they got attacked, the city walls would keep them safe and hold fast and be their protection. It needed to be a place that had resources. There was no good if they had no supplies of food or water inside if they were being attacked and couldn't go out. They needed to trust on their supplies that they had to be able to survive and last a long time. They had to have faith in what was there. A fortress, for a fortress to have safety and security, uh, to provide for its people was one of the main aspects of a fortress. A fortress was often considered a safe place for if you're outside the city walls, then you're in danger of everything outside from armies to wild animals. A fortress was a place of refuge for people. The word refuge literally means a place of trust. Without any of these aspects, the for- a fortress would cease being a fortress. The citizens inside would have to trust in the fortress that even though the walls are being attacked and chaos outside, they're safe inside the city walls. They have to have full trust in them for their safety. The picture that was painted in the first seven verses that we went through gave us a picture of God, that he's our fortress, he's our safety, he's our refuge. When storms of the world beat against the walls, we know we're safe inside within as God is in control. He's our strength in time of trouble. He's always there. Is a provision through life. If we put our trust in him completely, then he is our mighty fortress through life. As much as we want to keep going deeper, as much as I want to keep going through this recap again, I'll just end up re-preaching last week, so we better move on to the, the next few verses, otherwise we're going to be here all day. Um, 
So at the start, we're going to split the two main sections. So first one to seven was God is our fortress. And seven to 11 also talks into the fortress, but also looks at another part of that God will be exalted as well. So we're going to cover that today. So jumping into it. So verse eight and nine, the Psalm 46, which said, Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bows and shatters the spears. He burns the chariots with fire. So fortress back in the day, it was not just a place of good defence, but it also had to be a place of good offence. If the fortress only had walls, no army to defend the walls, then the fortress is more like a piñata waiting for the walls to be broken down. And we all know the chaos is caused at a five-year-old's birthday when the piñata is burst forward. Kids tend to go crazy, they go everywhere, and all of a sudden you just got complete chaos. So if the fortress did not have an offence, then it's not a place of refuge. But it's a place. But it's a place that will keep you long, uh, alive a bit longer. But in the end, it's going to be a trap. The, um, the goal for most kings inside fortresses back in the day was not only to keep their land um, and their fortress, but it was to expand their kingdom and to conquer other fortresses, proving that their might and power, and to make a name for themselves. Just for some examples of history of mighty fortresses and armies and things, you've got the Roman Empire, you've got Alexander the Great, even the Germans. But one thing all these guys have in common is they all crumbled. They all didn't last. Um, there was always another bigger fish ready to take out the next guy to be that bigger one. The first part, part of verse 8 says, Come, behold the works of the Lord. We are called to go and see what God has done to our enemies. And to see the glory of our King in all His power, what He is and what He has done for us, we should remember this. We should remember this in our lives that no matter what we face, we can look back and see what the Lord has done for us, and this will open our eyes to the glory and the power of Christ working inside us. We need to have our Christ-coloured lenses in our glasses, and all the time be able to see see in a situation and know that no matter what happens, Christ is in control. He's always been in control. There's never been one stage where he's not been completely confident in the plan that he has that's going to come out. It's always He's always going to succeed. He's never going to fail. Come and, see, come and see what God has done and behold the glory of our God. When things are crashing around us, for example, like this five-day lockdown, things might seem to be going back to normal, but if we look at it in that way, then that's all we're going to see. But if you go back and look through what God did through last year and what God did through the lockdowns last year, we can take confidence in to know that God is still working, that we're not on our own, that we can take hope that, that Christ is always working through everything that we, all aspects of our lives. We can take hope even when we're being locked down and that we know that Christ has a reason for this. There's a reason for this and he's working. He's not stopped. He hasn't left us. Um, Going off my notes there. So what leads us to the next part of the verse, which says, how he has brought desolation on the earth. Looking back into it, when the psalm was written, we can see how God worked for the Israelites. He brought desolation to their enemies. He destroyed their cities and their people. When kings and nations stood up against against his people, then they would not stand when God is on Israel's side. They, They were a mighty fortress with God. They were protected by God. For example, if we look at it, we're going to look at one example, but there's many examples in the Old Testament. Um, 
uh, sadly, we don't have time to read the whole Old Testament, um, unfortunately, but I encourage you, just read through it and see what God did for the Israelites when he led them. Um, so we're going to look at one example is the Philistines. Um, when they believed they had Israel running in fear when they were hiding in their camps because of the towering bloke of a man of Goliath, when you think these days you'd probably have most NBA teams fighting to try and sign this dude because he was height and strength. Um, the Israelites hid from him um, and they were scared. They were, they were looking at the obstacle in front of them and thinking, we can't conquer this. They weren't looking towards God, but it took one guy in David who trusted in the Lord and the word of God who walked out there with no armour, no protection, just three stones and a sling and tore down the opposition and rout, and God routed the Philistines in front of Israel. So we'll just read that. So 1 Samuel 17, 49 to 54 says, when the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David, David quick, ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out the stone, slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and, fe- and he fell face down. So David prevailed over the Philistines with a sling and with a stone and struck, struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath and killed him, cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. The man of Israel, Israel, the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. So the Philistines, so that the wounded Philistines fell all the, uh, on the way to Sharem as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back chasing the Philistines and they plundered the camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it back to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. So we can see that God came through for the Israelites there. God gave the strength of David to be able to defeat what seemed like a massive obstacle in, the, in Israel's path that looked like it could be the end for them. But God is their fortress, delivered them, and they struck down the Philistines. On so many occasions, God uh, prevailed for Israel. Um, so, yeah, I encourage you to go back, read, read for them, and see how God always comes through at desolating his enemies. But it's not just in the Old Testament in Israel that God brought desolation to the enemies, but it's for us in the future and the times to come. As we as we continue to read from the Bible, once again, it'd be awesome to read the whole New Testament, but we've got no time. So I encourage you during lockdown, you've got a great opportunity to really dig into your Bible and get, get a fair way through it. So have a good read. Um, but there's victory coming for us as well. Our enemy, the enemies of God will not stand. As you read through Revelation and everything, um, but for all those who have been called and are following Christ, there is victory from the beginning. But, but like the guy who was standing hang on. So for us who believe, there is victory coming. Um, Christ, Christ himself has desolated the power of sin over our lives. For those who believe with him, uh, believe in him, we come back into the city and that fortress. Safety of having Christ on our side. For those who choose Christ, place their trust in him. And when we have a place that we trust in, it's called a fortress. It's a place of refuge, a place of strength. We have safety by the blood of Christ. We can gain confidence that we are protected by the blood of Christ. And as we know that this world will not stay the same, and there's desolation coming for those, for all those who don't believe, 
um, for all those who don't believe are not under the protection of Christ's blood. They are outside the city walls, outside the fortress, and they will suffer the full wrath of God and the desolating power of God. Uh, Matthew 25, 31, 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he'll separate the people from one another as shepherds separate the sheep from goats. And he'll place the sheep on, on his right, but the goats on the, on the left. The king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? And naked, naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it, did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me. You are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger and he did not welcome me. Naked and he did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and he did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not, as did not do to one of these, at least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There will, there will be that day. That final day where it doesn't, where it matters whose side you're on. There's no in between with God. There's no, uh, God. In safety and protection are those who are covered by the blood of Christ. Or on the other hand, there's going to be the people that are still in sin. And that only promises God's wrath and desolation. Make sure that you're on the right side of God while you still have a chance. There's no alternative outcome. This will happen. This is truth. So make sure you're on the right side. What lead? And that leads us into verse 9 from Psalm 46, where it says, He makes the wars cease the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. God brings peace to his people. Inside his protection, he makes wars cease. He, he destroys his enemies. He brings his people into a place of peace and rest. Like in the end days, there will be a total peace for those who are saved by Christ. And we have eternity with him. But for those who don't believe, there will be a suffer eternity of God's wrath and desolation. His, his voice quiets the turmoil of war. He calls for silence of peace. However remote and barbarous the tribe, he awes the people into rest. He crushes the great powers till they can't provoke strife again. He gives his people profound response. He breaks the bow, a weapon that is used as a mass destruction back in the day. It could be used back off the front lines and shoot into the enemy's front lines and destroy their army. Back in the day, the bow was a powerful weapon, but, but our Lord renders it useless against his plan and strength and his glory. The chariots that he renders useless. There is no physical weapon that can even hurt 
that can ever hurt God. There is no plan of destruction against God. There is no powerful enemy. There's no secret to God's strength. He is Lord. There's not a single thing that can stand against him and destroy his plan. He renders all all weapons and plans and human strength as useless. The only way to be on his side is through Christ our King. Isaiah 2, 3 to 4. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. From out of Zion shall go forth the law, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations. He shall decide a dispute of many people. He shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. For we have peace in Christ. Where we go for rest, like there is peace inside a fortress, even in the wall, uh, even though the walls are being attacked, if there's peace in the middle. So like, like we said last week, when we're facing trials and oppressions of life, we can go through those trials. Being a Christian doesn't promise an easy life, but what we have to come is peace. Um, so oppressions of life is like storms of the world. They might be really strong and really blowing, but they're just beating against a wall. But inside the wall, there's protection from the storm. There's rest and shelter in Christ. We have peace, and in the end, and at end times, there'll be ultimate peace for those who believe in him. Ephesians 2, 13 to 17. But now in Christ, for you once were far off, have, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments, expressing an ordinance that we might create in himself one new man in a place of two, so making peace. That we that and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross by killing the hostility. Through through Christ we are saved, through Christ we are changed, through Christ we have peace. And life and life, nothing by our own accord, but through Christ and Christ only. Uh, Christ only we have protection from our sins. Um, yeah, we're forgiven of our sins and we're protected protected from the wrath of God by the blood of Christ. We gain peace in that. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives you, do I give you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So moving to verse 10 of Psalm 46, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So the first part of this verse is, be still and know that I am God. What does that mean? Well, it's meaning literally be still. He's not telling us not telling us to run around like headless chickens trying to find God in each situation in life and not trying to fix things in our own strength, but be still and know that God is God. When we're running around like a headless chick, when life is, is busy and hard, then we try and find God in all the wrong places. We start looking for situations in our own strength and thinking that it might be God. But the psalm is telling us here to be still and know that he is God. We find rest when we are still and spend time in his peace. So Kings, uh, 1 Kings 19, 11, 13, 
um, instead of Elijah when he when he's um, yeah on the run a little bit. And it says, and he said, "Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord." And behold, the Lord passed by. A great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke it in pieces. The rocks, the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, and Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So when life's crashing around us, when there's earthquakes, when there's fires, when there's things moving around that can represent things in our life, we need to take the time to be still and know who God is. We need to take the time to listen. As God was in a gentle breeze, a gentle whisper, not in any of the massive things. So when when things were crashing around Elijah, God was in a gentle breeze. Take the time to rest in God's peace and recharge. Allow God to work in, in the way he wants to work. In troubled times, we still want to know that he is Lord. God is the same from the start to the finish. He has not changed over time, as we covered probably last year with his attributes. God's the same today, yesterday, and the next day. He's never going to change. Take confidence in who God is and who will always be. Take confidence in his word and what he has done and what he has done for you in the past and in your lives. Be still and know that God is still in control. He's still leading his people. He has not forsaken his people. He's in control. Let God be that refuge and that peace in that knowledge. Be, be still and be still are the same words that we see in Mark 4, 35 to 41, which says, on, the, on that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, he took, them, took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was, was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they, woke, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke. And rebuke the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. The wind ceased and the great and and there was great calm. He said to them, "Why were you afraid? Have you no faith? Are you filled with great?" And they were filled with great fear to one another. And they said to one another, "Who who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him?" We are called to be still and know, just like like storms in our lives. When we are still, we know. We got, and we know God, then there is peace. Knowing that no matter what, no matter what happens, Christ is in control. He's leading us and working out His plan. Um, yeah, and Christ in control, leading us through, and the place is much better. And it all will work out when we have faith in God and the peace, and have faith in the fortress and the refuge that God is. So next part of verse 10, I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. As the disciples asked, who is this man that the sea and the wind may obey him? God will be exalted in all his power and glory by everyone who who ever lived. Everything that was ever created and everything that has life will exalt him as king and Lord. Whether it's now for those who believe in faith and exalt him and trust in him or in the future when it's too late and those who rebel against God, um, realize they've got it wrong, but every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord and he'll be exalted. Philippians 2, 10 to 11. So that the name of Jesus, 
So at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in the heavens and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Then Isaiah 2, 6-22. For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east and, and of fortune tellers of the Philistines. They strike hands with children of foreigners. The land is filled with silver and gold. There is no end to their treasure. The land is filled with horses. There is no end to their chariots. The land is filled with idols. They bow down to the works of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. So man is humble, and each one brought low. Do not forgive them. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust. For before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty, the haughty man looks and shall be brought low. The lofty pride of man shall be humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord, Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up and shall be brought low, against all the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up, and against all the oaks of Bashan, against the lofty mountains and against the uplifted hills, against every tower and against every fortified wall, against every ship of tarnish and against every beautiful craft. And the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, the lofty pride of man shall be brought low. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And the people and idols shall utterly pass away. And people shall enter caves and rocks and holes of the ground from the from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. In that day, mankind will cast away their idols of silver and idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, to the moles and, moles and to the bats, to enter the caverns of the rocks and the clear clefts of the cliffs from before the terror of the lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath for of what account is he god will be exalted even now or for those who choose to rebel from him they'll exalt him later but everyone will confess that god is king we're seeing isaiah that the sinful ways that which we choose to live by will soon be worthless it's all for nothing and and fill people the the presence of the Lord will fill people with fear. They will hide away from God as they know He is the King, and that His wrath is coming. The name of the Lord is is His splendor. Yeah, the name of the Lord is splendor and glorious. We'll be we'll be in. sorry. The day day is coming when God's name will be exalted by everyone who believes in Christ and place their trust in him will be saved by his blood. But those who stand against him will have no protection from his wrath, just like the people stuck outside the walls. They'll be sitting ducks and powerless against God. There's nothing that can, um, yeah, can destroy God or come up against God. All the power and glory belongs to our God. He has no weakness and he will always prevail. Through Christ, we have safety. Through him, we are welcomed back to the Father. We've been given a gift that we can't buy. We can't leave a perfect life to get it. We are solely dependent on Christ and the gift that we did not deserve, but we have received from free from a high. To the glory belongs to God and his name will be lifted up forever. So verse 11, in wrapping up, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. For those who believe and trust in Christ, he's on our side. His presence for us, his presence for us brings peace, security, strength, 
is our fortress at time at all times. For those outside the fortress, his presence is a terror to all his enemies. One way or another, Christ will be exalted, his name lifted high and lifted up, whether you are saved in Christ or whether it's too late. But his name will be high exalted. There is a time coming where all who believe will be with him and be a mighty fortress. We'll live in complete peace with Christ. But for those who don't, um, yeah, they'll face the terror of God's wrath and eternal judgment. If you have not made Christ your Lord and Saviour, come and cry out, cry out to him, or you not, not ignore a heart seeking Christ. So take courage for those who are saved. They have a mighty fortress. In times of trouble, he gives us refuge for the storms. He gives us strength. He supplies us with all that we need. He never leaves us. He protects us and brings us hope. We gain all this in him. Trust in him. Um, no matter what happens around us, keep trusting in him. And as we, he is our mighty fortress. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.